Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Baldly Go, the officially unofficial podcast for all the Star Trek. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking season two, episode three of Star Trek Strange New World. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. I think there's five tomorrows in there. So many. Yeah. One for, one every, for every day of the week. And Shakespeare couldn't be bothered with the weekend. <laughs> I was going to say one constantly. for every timeline that every episode of Star Trek spawns. Apparently, yeah. You know, uh, we got a lot. Aaron. I think I think everybody, even me, even somebody who is not familiar with Shakespeare in b- b- even the most fundamental ways, uh, is familiar with the this quote from Macbeth. Uh, how how do you find this episode? I guess I actually really like this episode. Um, there are a couple things you could accuse it of uh, being low budget and uh, the damn near a bottle episode you just kind of take your stars you put them in contemporary clothes you unleash them on modern day toronto and oh, i thought it was uh, new york <laughs> so did so did jim jim james t kirk yeah uh which i thought was cute i thought that was a nice little kind of lampshading moment but like i don't know there's like there's a lot of this episode like a lot of the transitions like particularly the transition where uh laan and and uh, jim kirk are going to visit uh, pella in uh, vermont that's like this is exactly the aesthetic of a hallmark christmas special like this is the kind of like Hmm. And it, it's funny because like um, I just realized a couple of days before I can't remember if it's like me or our social media manager or our producer were talking about like where where is this show shot? And I looked it up and it's like, oh, it's a CBS studio in Ontario. And I'm like, Star Trek's fucking filmed in Ontario, the Ohio of Canada. But what? I mean, that's the thing. It's like Ontario is a weird place because it is kind of I think it's kind of like the Ohio of Canada, but it also contains their, their largest city. It's like if Ohio contained New York City. Well, mm-hmm. and, and and I'm not talking down, by the way. I live in the Ohio of America, <laughs> a.k.a. Ohio, and I uh, love it. So, like, <laughs> I've been to Ontario many times, always had a great time. But mm-hmm. it, it is it is wild to see people just walking around in the Toronto. And, and especially since I thought as it was happening that, like, oh, they're going to try to pass this off as Times Square. No, they fucking said, no, nah, it's fucking Toronto. What of it? Yeah, no, it's a yeah. pretty good joke with the New York stuff. Uh, uh, other than that, Laan Noonien Singh is one of my favorite characters. I like them or from the pilot. I'm like, oh, this looks like drummer from The Expanse, and she's probably genetically modified, and she's going to be a badass, and she's a security officer. I love it. I love it. I love it. And giving her, is this like her first kind of... So, I mean, I, I, I definitely they've given her things to do in, in previous episodes and, and mm-hmm. seasons, but she was a wall for like the last two episodes of last season. And uh, 
Yeah, I, I, I really liked it. Uh, I always love a good time travel plot. I think it's a smart retcon because if you know anything about Khan and the original series, you know that he ruled 25% of the land area and population of Earth between 1992 and 1998. <laughs> Clearly yeah. something that did not happen in our timeline and the idea that Romulans have been fucking trying to pervert our timeline for thir- like this Romulan age been stuck here since 1992. I thought that's, I, I don't know, I think that stuff is kind of clever and funny in the same way that like the Trials and tri- uh, Tribulations episodes where they kind of like go back and 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 this is just mm-hmm. so much better than the usual kind of go back in time episode in terms of like, you know, how they solved it in terms of like its internal like uh, continuity that that didn't feel like it was stretching my suspension of disbelief. Um, but yeah, and, and yeah, Star Trek's always had like cheap ways to do weird episodes like I don't know how many fucking golf courses in La Brea I saw passed off as planets uh, in Star Trek The Next Generation and, you know, just random canyons in Southern California passed off as planets. It's like, it's always been part of Star Wars Trek's DNA, so why not Toronto? What did you think, though, Jim? Sure. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I like this episode a lot. I think um, having the focus on Lon was kind of exciting because I don't really feel like I've gotten a great idea of her character yet or maybe I just forgot it from season one not sure Um, but this was a really well written episode all around I think like yeah everything you said about the way that they solved the time travel problems and things like that was interesting but I think the better the bigger triumph of this episode is the character beats with Lon Mm -hmm. Um, giving her essentially a decision to wipe away all that stuff, right? Her, her scarlet letter or whatever, um, I, I think is a smart one. And, and she comes down on the side that we would kind of, yeah, I guess the personal sacrifice, um, on her part. So I don't know. I, I felt like it was really interesting what they were doing with her character and boy, just the isolation that she feels really came into focus this episode. Cause I, I never quite, I guess, understood, and I guess I still haven't really seen it because we've always been with her crew, and her crew is not like super prejudiced against her. Right. Um, so I, I still haven't really seen seen what she's going through, but now I understand what she feels about it. So I, I think it was super useful for her character. Yeah, I, I thought it's such a great, and just a lot of clever writing. There's a lot of clever character beats. Like they introduced the concept last episode of how alienating being this, you know, the mod, the modified legacy growing up, and and how the kind of current Federation abhors that kind of thing, and uh, the prejudice she's faced, and getting to a timeline. They played a little bit of this with um, Seven of Nine last year too escaping to a timeline where that weight is just off you like no one knows who the hell Nuni and mm-hmm. Singh is and no one has ever heard of the word con and there's no infamy and you know like like someone just kind of making fun of your last name just in like oh, it's kind of uh, a funny and distinctive like Kirk does and her realization like oh my god he doesn't know like I, I don't I mean that I feel like that's got to be relatable for a lot of a lot of people you know uh, like, mm-hmm. what if I could escape to a place where, like, people didn't scrutinize me because of, you know, what I look like or how I'm presenting through the world or what they think they know about me based on my name or my accent or. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it seemed like it was pretty powerful. 
it always makes me wonder why she doesn't just change her name because that's definitely a thing <laughs> but you know it's it's not like she has some birthmark that that marks her as a con might be just pride a, because there is thing. some kind of legacy and like do you want to turn your back on that just because people are assholes uh sure I, i'm a so i'm i come from german-american immigrants and uh life is kind of hell for an early 20th century because uh germany was like the arch villain of all the plot lines mm-hmm. uh and like why well, I, I i know a couple of uh hubbards who have anglicized their last name and my family had not and i always wondered like well why the you know when they were like burning down german-speaking newspapers and like shutting down german-speaking schools and stuff like what caused my great-grandparent and my grandparent to be like you know what fuck you we're keeping this name uh hopefully it's not because they're nazi sympathizers uh But I'd like yeah. to think it's because they, you know, or they're like diehard for the Kaiser. I'd like to think it's because they're just like, fuck, no, we're, we didn't change who we were because these assholes across the continent started like, you know, fuck that. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I kind of sympathize with keeping the the infamous name. Um, sure. Can I issue a public apology? Oh, no. Yeah. I like the, a sincere public apology to Paul Wesley. Uh, for saying that I thought you were a bad James T. Kirk because maybe it's just a sample size. I thought I really saw the Kirk shine through. Um, yeah. And maybe I dismissed him because like I, <laughs> I, I mostly know of him as like the star of the Vampire Diaries, uh, oh, okay. which is the CW lurid Riverdale-esque, you know, take off Twilight. Um but I, I thought that there was, I don't know, there's a little twinkle in his eye that he got uh, in this episode. And I don't know, see, the, the half-seducing La'an also maybe that that was uh, the big the, the big Kirk tell. But, like, he, he is, he, he does, he's, he's got a pretty good handle. I could see him in a couple of years being a mighty fine Captain Captain Kirk if, they, if, if uh, we're lucky enough that this show stays good for that long. Yeah, I like the edge that there is to that character. Um, he, he's really bringing like a sort of you know good guy scoundrel vibe i like han solo right uh, mm-hmm. a roguish yeah. kind of the thing. chaotic good you uh-huh. know alignment for sure is is there uh do, yeah. do no, you know I how old him. this guy is how, how how old would you think <sighs> james t kirk is in this timeline lieutenant kirk oh yeah no this is a problem um 23 how do you but think he's the actor captain. playing playing him is uh let's go with 27 he's 40 years old jim get out of here he's geek's not my age no i don't believe it uh christina chong who plays laan nunian singh guess how old she is 163 <laughs> you've got it she's actually a <laughs> lanthian no know. she she's 39 years she'll be 40 this year oh it's shameful it's shameful I don't know do. what they're doing up in Canada. I don't know if it's the fucking genetic syrup. manipulation, obviously. Or, that's true. Mm-hmm. That's who knew? Who knew that that Canada, <laughs> Canada would be rocking the cold fusion, the merciless genetically modified warlords. Blame Canada, like for <laughs> for the eugenics wars and for almost losing the 21st century. Turns out didn't didn't know. Dark horse yeah. candidate for destroyer of humanity, Canada. Thought's going to be. Almost as United deep a States. cut as the title of this episode. Blank, exactly. I, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, they 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 stole. They they came out of nowhere. Took the took the brass ring from the United States, Russia, China, North Korea. Nope, we're gonna do it. 
So good, good, good on you. I does. I wonder if is it feels good as a Canadian to see like Toronto uh, playing such a big part in future global affairs, or does it feel bad because it seems like it's going to be an infamous role? Well, yeah. I mean, it's not the Canadians' fault that they got blown up. True. Not the Tor- that they were Torontians. I don't know what you th- call that. They were targeted by the Romulans to suppress our yeah. society's natural development. They, they were going along pretty nicely before that. I don't know. It feels uh, pretty maybe... good as, as an Earther to know that the Romulans are using 30 years of chronological warfare to try to keep us back. And we just fuck them. us monkeys on this rock are undefeated. Cannot be mm-hmm. stopped. We're going to get off. We're going to explore the stars. We're going to run this whole shit from San Francisco, California, the whole galaxy. You can't uh-huh. stop us. Can't stop. Apparently. You wish you could, but you can't. Borg can't. Romulans can't. Nobody can. Mm hmm. All right, maybe we should get into the recap. Yeah. Set phasers to add. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Captain on Bridge, welcome back to Baldly Go. All right, let's start off with um, Lon going around the ship, doing her duties, giving bad news to people. I guess that's what she does. Um, and then she works out her frustrations on Mbinga during their sparring session. He tries to help her work through some of her uh, anger, her feelings here, uh, but she's not willing to talk about it. I like this uh, note where Spock has had a noise complaint filed against him for his loot playing. Pretty good. Yeah, he'll endeavor to be uh, less in, in exuberant about it. Uh, I, I thought it was neat that like we don't often think about the security personnel and their primary role, what they probably spend 95% mm-hmm. of their time, which is just being uh a referee like like the the you know a lot of security police forces you know and a, a lot of times we see him it's like wharfs planning security for a delegation and an important summit that the enterprise is hosting but 95 percent of the is, is probably you know finding out what teenagers stole what supply from what department uh personal beefs domestic uh disputes things like that and i like getting just a little slice of life of that and had no idea that they were actually setting up plot points because I I don't know I continue to like Pella and I like how they integrated her into the plot line and you see her yeah. like I, like uh, this this episode really rewards multiple watches because you kind of get everything on the first watch through but the idea that like I don't think Pella is stealing this stuff necessarily she just squirreled it away through a thousand two thousands of years of living 
Uh, yeah, is she moving her stuff onto the Enterprise? That's is that what's happening here? I think that's what it is. And they're like going okay, through yeah. her and they're like, where are the receipts for this? It looks like it's all stolen from a place called the archaeology department, which we know is the name of her shady pawn shop in the mm-hmm. 21st century uh, Vermont region. Uh, it is good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, it's enjoyable. I, I, I like how she's like, I still maintain this bunker in Vermont. Just in case this whole Romany socialist utopian thing turns out to be a fad. Like, she's got plans. This isn't the first civilization she's yeah, seen makes go sense down. For somebody who's been yeah. around for thousands. have been around humans for thousands of years. Yeah. But yeah. also, like, um, it's also kind of funny that I feel like they are throwing some modern critiques of Star Trek into the writing. Like, the idea that uh, the Federation is this kind of socialist utopia. But it is unmistakably an empire. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's a lot of Deep Space Nine deals with like that famous root beer speech that uh, Court gives to, to Garrick, you know, about they they do a velvet glove and they're pretty nice about it. But nah, they really want to bring the rest of the galaxy to their heel, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just happens to be that this uh, particular heel is not as sharp as Smothers, you know? Right. But you you got to you. Yeah. You, your society is definitely going to be changed and altered by joining the Federation. Like there's mm-hmm. no way you're going to get to maintain all your cultural distinctiveness. And it's it's yeah, it's uh, by hook and crook is going to be melted away. Sure. Uh, yeah. That we find that Pellier is the, the new engineer here, which uh, a little disappointing to me, given, you know, my feelings about the particular character. But what are you going to do? I wonder I wish I could lay odds on the on whether you'll fall in love with her by the end of the season because I kind of think it's a, but also I like I, she also yeah she's a lot she's a lot yeah strong brew I, I'm it's not to my flavor but what are you gonna do can't like them all uh, anyway somebody stumbles in the hall with a shotgun wound and asks for help uh, sorry not shotgun gunshot I don't know if it's a shotgun. I was like, like wow, is that they actually specifically said it was I I thought, yeah. Nope, nope. It's just a gunshot. Uh asked for her help with an attack that happened in the past. He gives her a device and tells her to get to the bridge. And when she gets to the bridge, Pike isn't the captain, James Kirk is. Yeah. Exactly what happened. The uh so so does this mean that Christopher Pike in this timeline, does he never exist or is he in the is he just a scarred up husk in a wheelchair? way sooner it's a good question um we never really get a hint as to what happens to pike in this timeline so pretty sweet seeing kirk sitting in the chair though right yeah i mean i'm not i'm not done with pike i like pike i like pike a lot but it's still pretty sweet seeing kirk sitting sitting in his spot yeah i like that this show has kind of turned into the pike slash kirk show uh Mm -hmm. because i definitely miss kirk even though i like pike a lot it kind of has to, although it feels like they're accelerating. Like, I think they wrote Sam Kirk in as kind of like that little, like, hey, don't forget, there's uh, we're keeping a seat warm for somebody here. But like, it seems like uh, they really were pleased with what they got out of their uh, uh, their Paul Wesley, James Kirk and their Excel. Because like I kept on feeling as, as he becomes more and more part of the plot and it seems like he's destined to be part of it going forward that like that makes Sam less and less important. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, I'm certainly paying less thought to him. 
Have we even? Uh, long, what's the last time we've seen him? I mean, he's being referenced all the time in this episode, but uh, yeah, it's been a while. Do you think that there will be some bleed over attraction from Kirk to Sam, from from Jim to Sam, from Laan? Mm, I hadn't considered it. I I don't know. I don't know. It'd probably be a more appropriate relationship, but. I don't know. I'm I'm super curious to see Wait, what they do it, with the. How is it inappropriate? Uh, he's They're both he's lieutenants. A captain. I I don't know. Wait wait no, wait. Kirk, Kirk is not Kirk, captain. He's a Kirk lieutenant. was absolutely a captain of that other ship. Uh, oh oh oh. What oh. was the name of it? Yeah, but the, but this Kirk is dead. I'm talking about back on our prime timeline. Uh huh. Yeah, Kirk is a captain of whatever ship he came from that got blown up uh, last I thought season. so too, but when Laon calls him at the end of the episode, it says that in the Chiron underneath him, and he says, this is Lieutenant Kirk, go ahead. I don't think he's a captain. He might have been like... Really? Field promoted as a captain or acting captain, but like they definitely... Is that a, ret, is that a full-on retcon? Oh, I don't know, because he was definitely captaining a ship last season. Like, I when agree. they meet him, he is the captain of that ship, right? Now, again, I wasn't doing it, but, like, po- the thing that, about podcasting that changes the way I watch shows is I watch it many times, and I talk about it, and I get feedback on it. So, uh, so maybe I was a little hazy, but, like, I ta- thought that he was just a very young, newly minted captain. This episode is definitely, maybe because a lot of people thought that, but they, they definitely are clarifying at the end that he's a lieutenant at this point. Huh. Okay. So. Uh. Well. Yeah. Maybe he, he got busted down for all his shenanigans last. That uh, is also episode. a possibility. He got court martialed. I mean, he saved him, but also bent some rules, as right. Kirk does. Uh. I don't know. We'll see if she kind of transfers that affection over to Sam. I'm not sure. I'm not sure where they're going with that. I I did like it though. The very end of this episode is very mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Um, she calls him up and sort of. You know, there's there is a spark there too. It's not sure. like nothing existed. He invites her for a drink next time they're at a starbase together. But is that just like is that just Kirk like? <laughs> sure, the sparks sure. are just flying off him like he's grinding metal, and he's just like you know, fuck it, yeah. If we ever in starbase, we ever in starbase, we ever in star. Does he say that like seventeen times a day? Yeah, in every timeline, I assume. Yeah, uh, anytime he finds someone remotely sexually attractive, which is always, he's just like, hey, mm-hmm. next time we're in Starbase, we should get a few drinks. That's just his move. Yeah, no, I mean, it, 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 look, knowing what James T. Kirk is like uh, definitely cheapens what Lon has has forged with him over the course of this episode. Oh, but like, I don't know. I, I don't know do? if you're, you're an experienced enough shipper to know the joy of harnessing an inverterate bad boy like oh, bending him yeah. to your will and making him like you're like oh he actually sees you as a special um, is this a vampire diaries thing fuck me i don't I know the, i'm so <laughs> the only reason i know about the vampire diaries is one of my favorite youtubers made a two and a half hour jesus epic dissertation about the series uh and you watched it Yes, I did. I, okay. Did I not? Did I, they're one of my favorite YouTubers, Jenny and Nicholson. All right. China, All there's right. a whole China Beach DVD saga to it. It's highly recommended. But uh, yeah, no, I, I think that the, that that's definitely you know if you have a guy who's a bad boy and you are a person who can settle that person down, that's like one of the that's one of the tropiest tropes of tropey love affairs. You know, you're going to be the sure. one. Yeah. It's every romance novel ever written, right? 
I did wonder as it's going down, like, how does this affect the Space Seed episode of the original series when Khan shows up? Like, Khan shows up, he's like, oh, yeah, I was actually friends with your great-great-granddaughter. You know? Mm. Yeah. I mean, they can always retcon this with a different timeline, right? I mean, be like, this is the Calvin and Hobbes timeline. Yeah, with the temporal police, it's like they've got a ready-made excuse for like, oh, well, there's a little timeline drift because there's a little crisis here. But yeah, we got we nipped and tucked it and it's all back. It's all it's all battened down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, good question. I don't know. We'll see what they do with it. Uh, Spock is another outlier in this timeline. Uh, He actually contacts them from his ship. Uh, The Chiro, it's really hard to figure out what they're saying without subtitles because so many of these things are just alien words and and pronounced by aliens and it's very strange um anyway he asked for their help despite the dire situation kirk refuses to help which you know is kind of delicious given how close they are you know in the original series and all that he's like ha, turning down spock huh right yeah, can't can't help you. And uh, it sounds like the Vulcans are in a similar spot that uh, they were in the JJ timeline, where their war between the Rhymelands is going to lose them everything, including their home planet. Yeah, gonna gonna blow it up. It's a real shithole um, timeline, Jim. Yeah, for sure. I stuttered because I'm like, that's felt so weird to say that in the context <laughs> of Star Trek, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a doctor, not a shithole timeline, Jim. Uh, Lon tells Kirk what's going on and asks him to help stop the attack. Kirk demands that she hand over the device for study, but when he tries to grab it, the button is accidentally pressed and they are transported to another time and stuck there. Uh, Yeah, the green button turns red and is not going to let him go back until presumably they heal the timeline. I want to know what happened to their their badges, their, their... it's not a comms badge in this timeline, but yeah, you know, I think they just call it an insignia. Your insignia is really terrible in it's the like jet new black. Like, is it supposed to well, look gold? Evil? It's just like it, it's just a faceted. It, it's like a piece of flat faceted plastic. Mm. Instead of being an actual shape, it just has like facets that sort of imply a shape. Well, it's probably really 3D like it. printed 16 hours before it was filmed. So, yeah. this is uh, other than the starting end of this episode. This is a this was a pretty inexpensive episode to film. I'm thinking. Sand it, paint it, get it on screen. Come on. Yep. Don't nope. have time for this. High def must make that a bitch. Because, oh, like, yeah. man, when you go walk, go back and watch like TNG episodes, and you see like uh, Crusher using a a medical implement that's clearly hand carved by wood and mm-hmm. spray painted silver. It's like, boy, howdy, you know, uh, standard definition really hit a lot of sins. They can't (laughs) can't really half-ass it with 4K. No, you can't. Same with makeup. True. Uh, We find out there's no Starfleet in this timeline. It's the United Earth fleet. So I I don't know exactly what happened. I forget. I think they say something about that later in the episode um, as to what happened, but... The, the visual gag of them being like in Toronto and him trying to say that it's clearly early in the mid 20th, the 21st century Earth, New York. I thought it's funny because like when the scene started, 
uh, sometimes because we watch, we're watching the screeners, and sometimes screeners will have like unfinished special effects and shots and whatnot. And I, for like three seconds, was thinking, "Oh, this is clearly downtown Toronto that they haven't dressed digitally yet," because it's mm-hmm. it's clear to me how you can just extend this building up and you know a couple more billboards here and tweak the color correction a little bit, and voila, you'd have Times Square. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when Kirk is starting to say "active," it's just like I'm like. That I thought is just really funny. Is a really funny gag when Laon's like, "Are you fucking kidding me? Look, look all around. All the signs say Toronto. Like, come on, mm-hmm. what's happening here?" I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, with the Toronto center there, uh, pretty silly. Um, yeah, so they're in Toronto. It's cold. And they decide they need to go get some warmer clothes. So some minor shenanigans involving matching outfits and half-naked Kirk happen and then they sneak out of the store without paying. Classic. Yeah. Classic Kirk taking his shirt off. Gotta get at least some of that in there. Spark flying. Sparks mm-hmm. flying. Uh, that's... Uh, <laughs> they they, they frame this poor woman shopper. You know? It's a great... Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's, it's a great gag, but, but yeah... Like, uh, I don't think we've ever seen... Have we ever seen Federation officers just shoplift shit? They usually have great pains, like Kirk's got to go to a pawn shop and sell his antique spectacles, or, I don't know, mm-hmm. Cisco's got to make a pot of gumbo on the corner to, to get five, to get bus fare, but the, this is fucking steal it. Five-figure discount. Yeah, they do. Uh, that's got to change the timeline in some way, right? Well, yeah, it's like, uh, I mean, they, uh, I don't know. Star Trek four, they give away the, the, the formula to transparent aluminum years, perhaps <laughs> decades before it's invented. So, uh-huh. minor, minor change to the timeline. Apparently they both have similar taste in clothing. I thought that was really that was funny. funny. They both came yeah. out with like the Jason Bourne gray man outfit, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and Kirk goes in and changes it up for different Slightly different leather jacket. Uh, he's never been to Earth in this timeline, which I thought was interesting. He's born in uh, on a ship, um, spends most of his life on moon bases, because I guess the Earth is just completely fucked up. Like, he talks yeah. about, in the next scene, um, he'll talk about how the Earth has just, like, ash clouds that never part. Um, that, that won't dissipate for thousands of years. Like, it's just been a radiated yeah. nuclear wasteland. Uh, yeah, it seems I, like Earth couldn't get their shit together before uh, the worst effects of climate change. It is pretty cute that he was born on board the USS Iowa. You know? Sure, considering where he's born on Earth. Um, Almost too cute, but I'll, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. There is one more too sure. cute thing, and I wouldn't, but they, I'm allowing the, the one <laughs> USS Iowa. Like, why the fuck would that be the case? Why, why would Time's Arrow bend so hard to make his birthplace Iowa? <laughs> I don't know. He's got corn in his blood. <laughs> yeah. He wouldn't be why Kirk would you, without that. Why would you be born in, in the Nebraska of United States, Iowa? If mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. And, 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 and then why would the timeline see, see it so important to make sure you're born on a USS Iowa to keep that consistent? But it's yeah. funny. It is. Um, they, the another funny thing they need some uh, money so Kirk goes and plays chess in the park for cash just mopping the floor with people uh, and and I was thinking it and they actually do say it 
but like when you've played 3D chess, 2D chess is probably like checkers uh, to him. So yeah, it makes sense that he'd be good at it. I was actually, when it was happening, I'm like, are they going to establish that he's genetically modified, that he's got like the con genes and they would maybe have something in common? Because like, Hmm. it's cute that like the, yeah, like 4D chess is so much more advanced that, you know, playing 2D chess is like playing checkers. But man, I don't know. Like, how is he so much smarter then I, I you know these are probably not the top ten chess players in in, in the world, but like they're also they 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 they're they're professional street hustlers, ch- chess uh-huh. hustlers. Uh, I don't know. It, it's like it, is is because the thing is like Kirk isn't like a master chess player too. He just kind of like fucked around and uh, played with his first officer. I I kind of was hoping that they he would be genetically modified, but. I don't know. It's a, I guess it's a cute idea to to hustle a bunch of kids playing checkers. Essentially, game has changed, man. I mean, you take I don't know LeBron James and you put him up against uh, some shorts wearing dude from the 1920s. Sure, he's gonna kick his ass all day, right. every day. There's nothing right. the cool. dude. The dude's going up for a fucking sky hook, and LeBron's gonna dunk eight times on him in the same amount of time. So yeah. Yeah, and that, I guess that's true. You just can't compete. And and I there's um some kind of uh, symposium, some kind of de- uh, public debate that had a whole bunch of sci- uh, pop culture scientists like Neil deGrasse Tyson, and uh, he's the one I recognize. But they were kind of talking about like you know human evolution, and someone made the point about that the uh, like we probably teach math wrong. And we start way too late. Like if babies were exposed to mathematical concept and logical constructs, like the same time they were to like exposed to just like language expression and like you know, things like that, that, uh, you know, you could have humans. Uh, you, you, it, we wouldn't be any smarter, but just because we, tr- we 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 taught it better and started early, you could have, you know, humans that were fluent in physics and like quantum physics in like their junior high and high school years. And like, what would that do to society? Maybe there is something if he exposed kids like four dimensional chess and it's like, you know, that it, it does make their brains better and smarter in that certain way because, you know, mm-hmm. um, so I, I don't know, maybe it does track. Yeah. I mean, humans physically certain haven't, haven't, uh, haven't evolved much in like a hundred years. Two two hundred years, I think, yeah. is is like one hundred and sixty something years. But but that is that's if you take it even the longer term, like you know the fact that uh, we're not really any smarter than humans were a hundred thousand years ago. But like we're splitting the atom and they shit in caves, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's <laughs> knowledge is a huge uh, leg up in the game. Yeah. So for maybe four sure. D chess is uh, is is the answer. Yeah, I don't know. I liked it. And it's, um, it was fun. It was super fun uh-huh. idea that Kirk would just hustle his way towards uh, a nut, you know? Yeah, like what other immediately leverageable skills would any of them have, right? Do you know my immediate, what I actually said out loud? Oh, no. What? Only fans. Look at these attractive people. <laughs> get yourself a $45 webcam and start getting, oh yeah, my God. yeah, yeah. That yeah. might have been a line too far for me. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> if Kirk just starts OnlyFans, yeah, yeah, it's like it has to be a social media influence. I think it would take a longer time too. Yeah, the startup costs are also there. They'd have to go to Best Buy, steal a webcam, True. a laptop, True. and yeah, 
it take a while. Anyway, they try and figure out what they're doing here while eating hot dogs and admiring the sunset. Kirk goes back for seconds on the hot dogs. Well, it's not just the sunset, too. Uh, it's the sailing ship. Sky. Like, I think you're supposed to, oh. you're, you're, you know, like, uh, this is supposed to resonate. Like, you can see him being wistful that, like, he has been forced to be a blunt instrument in war of war. And what he really wants to be is an explorer. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. And then, and uh, you know, it's going to be appealed to later, I think. And he offers her, he's like, he's like, hey, you don't skip a good hot dog when you got your hands on it. The subtext with Kirk, of course, is always his penis. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. He's he's offering that to her, and uh, she's sure. not ready to accept it. But by the end of the episode, so he eats it himself. Which, <laughs> well, you know, yeah. Why you know, you're, what are you going to do? Let it go to waste, right? It goes back for seconds. Go back for seconds. Kirk loves him some him, <laughs> you know. Oh yeah, he's nothing if not vain. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he gets high on his own supply for sure. Anyway, Lon can't sleep that night and decides to watch Kirk sleep for a while. Seems like she wants to wake him and say something, but decides against it. Kirk notices, though. Uh, you Your rarely loneliness. see this. Yeah. You, you, you rarely see officers sleeping on these type of emergency away missions. Um, but, but it makes sense, right? Yeah, like Usually there's such a focus on we have to figure this thing out, and especially when potentially the fate of everything and every one they know uh, being wiped away in a timeline shift. You'd think they'd be so concerned about it that maybe they could stay up for 24, 48 hours trying to figure this thing out, at least figure out what they need to do and when it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here, nah, casual. Just, yeah, let's let's knock off early, you know? I think it's actually a sign of growth as their storytelling from like Disco and Picard that they are showing like using the downtime to kind of like tell a story of, you know, La'an's essential loneliness and how she doesn't have mm-hmm. a connection, but she does feel a connection to this guy for like maybe the first time. And yeah, she wants to explore it, but also like, what the hell am I going to like jump this guy's bones from another timeline that's you know the brother of my crew it's you can see that like she's like ah this is not appropriate for a starfleet officer and i really like the touch of kirk being aware that -hmm. there is like this like this 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 thing between them two because of course he is yeah um to the point where they almost don't need the romantic angle here um it's it serves as an easy way to tell that they're forming a connection but like you almost don't need that because what she's really about here is isolation from everyone, right? It's not that, yeah. oh, I've been missing out on romantic uh, entanglements. It's more no, everyone is prejudiced against me. I can't just be a person with anybody. And here I am with James T. Kirk and I'm able to. I was a little surprised that they actually went the romance angle at all. Uh-huh. Um, because like Laanda seems like the type of person who could be like non-binary, agender, uh, ace. Like, like I didn't assume that like, oh wow, she's thrown with Kirk and she's gonna have the hots for him. It's like I was actually mildly surprised when she reacted to his torso and the 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 clothes shop. It's like, oh, this okay, interesting. Um. But I don't know. Like I said, it's uh, it's it's human stories, and it's okay for humans to do human things. I think controversy. Oh opinion. yeah, <laughs> for sure. 
Okay, the next day, Lon wants to get down to business by trying to remember the history that they know. Kirk's taking all of this less seriously because if they do succeed, his entire timeline is wiped out. And she appeals to Kirk's sense of exploration to get his co- cooperation. And, you know, as they do, just when they're, they're like coming to a point of decision, the plot makes a decision for them. There's an attack. Uh, and they realize she realizes that get to the bridge meant a whole different thing because the they've targeted this bridge to explode. Um, yeah. I, I like the angle of like Kirk, who is not from an enlightened federation culture, uh, mm-hmm. states like the selfish thing, right? Uh, why the hell would I help you destroy my timeline? Yeah. Um, and I think her using this like his long to be an explorer and it doesn't help the fact that like she alludes to the the correct the, the, the fact that he's alive and he his brother is alive and their timeline. And I was a little I, I, I kind of wish that he had been a little bit more antagonistic and kind of like quizzed her about it. But like that, that'd be a futile effort because I'm sure the details for Sam are completely different in this timeline. Um but I mm-hmm. thought it's interesting that like one part of the team wasn't a hundred percent onto it because why why would they be like why why would I sure. be down for destroying my timeline? It yeah. might suck, but it's the one I know, you know. Mm-hmm. All my um, people are there, and, and I like the way that she tries to smooth out that wrinkle is just like appealing to his sense of exploration because he is an explorer. Um, that's I I don't know how much Lon would know about this guy. Uh. James T. Kirk, because they've really only just met him in their timeline. But but she does serve with us, his brother. Uh-huh, you know, sure, like, yeah, yeah. Um, so I I think it it kind of makes sense. And at first I was like, what the hell? Why doesn't she know him? And then I remember because she was absent the episode that Kirk showed up because she was escorting yeah, she was. uh Kara the Explorer from the Expanse back to her refugee mm-hmm. uh colony so like that all that all kind of tracks and it's also funny that like this incident that happens essentially the way he describes uh the 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 universe that he lives in in 23rd century it sounds so much like the expanse universe like oh yeah yeah, we don't have earth but we've got ganymede and io and like he's naming all the cool places in the expanse Mm -hmm. which is all the places where human life might be able to eke out an existence yeah is is it time for us to make an earnest plea for Star Trek fans to watch The Expanse if they haven't already? Like, I, I can't yeah, imagine there's a self-respecting Star Wars fan that hasn't watched The Expanse. But if you're mm-hmm. like really digging Star Trek and you want to see like a really well done kind of dystopian take on a plausible scientific uh, 23rd century humanity, I cannot recommend The Expanse enough. I was late to that show because of the sci-fi of it all. You know, yeah. like sci-fi I have several people of it all. Yep. The sci-fi channel, the SIFI, the mm-hmm. SYFY of it all. Um, but that show is really amazing. And we've got we and if you're looking for a podcast companion, we got pretty solid coverage of at least the second half of the expanse. Because, again, I slept on it mm-hmm. for the first three seasons. But uh, it's a great show. You should check it out. It sure is. Uh, then Lon and Kirk go to the site of the explosion and find the destroyed bridge. They both seem to remember this attack, so it's not when things changed, but Lon notices that the charring on the bridge, on the shrapnel or whatever, looks like a 
technology that hasn't been invented yet, and they decide to follow this thread. Yeah, it sounds like a pre-version of photon torpedo, a photonic bomb. Uh, Was it photonic? I <laughs> they did say photonic. I rewound it a couple times. Impossible to tell. I I wrote down it's a platonic bomb because uh, <laughs> I thought it was funny. That's what Kirk said off in Lon's pants. You know, uh-huh. said they 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 wanted to have a platonic relationship, but the Kirk of it all was just too much. Just exploded that that platonic bridge. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering because they mentioned it's like, wow, it's the world's largest bridge. It just got completed. Where the fuck would you build a bridge over Lake Ontario? That what would you connect it to? Like I was looking uh, and like. Yeah. There's not there's not a lot of like places that seem like it logically would make sense. Um, Where but, exactly but yeah. is Toronto? Is that up by Detroit? Like right across? It, no, kind of. But it's 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 on it's on Lake Ontario. But <laughs> I would assume, yeah, it's yeah. But it, it's not like again. It's like there's a couple of cities you could connect it to, but it's like wh- I don't know why would you? Uh, maybe and that's the other thing. I guess this is like you're supposed to understand. This is like. 10, 15, 20 years into Canada's future. This is like 2040, 2050. Mm. So maybe there's been an economic... Bo- I forget the 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 place I was looking. There There is a city across the Ontario, but it seems like a very small a very Gary, small Indiana. Just connect a bridge yes. right to Gary. Uh, Niagara. <laughs> okay. Buffalo. Yeah. Uh, does that even connect? I don't. I, I'm I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassing myself in my knowledge of U.S. history, U.S. geography, yeah. Canadian geography, North American geography. Mm-hmm. Failing. Red alert! Here comes an ad break. Since the dawn of time, we've been putting clothes on our back that identify us with our people, our group, our tribe. And why Bald Move might be one of the smallest, weirdest tribes out there, transcending all concepts of border, class, culture, and creed, we still have respect for the old ways. At support.baldmove.com, you can get t-shirts, hats, mugs, and more. We have something for every one of our podcasts, or just wear the four pips of the Bald Move logo with pride. Bald Move merch beats running around naked, and they make a great gift for the Bald Move fan in your life. Join our tribe. Head over to support.baldmove.com and click on merch to start shopping. You've been listening to quite a few Bald Move podcasts now, but you're not in the club? Oh boy, you are missing out. Not only are all of our premium club podcast feeds completely ad-free, but we have lots of other great content exclusively for people in the club. There's a weekly lunch with Jim and Aaron where we chat with fans about anything and everything from TV and films, food, fun, life advice, and more. But there's also Off the Clock, our premium podcast where we talk about all the shows we don't have time for on our public feeds. Plus, you get access to our full spoiler-filled first-round movie reviews of our newly released films. Don't forget Instant Take and Talk Podcast, where we give our hot takes and discuss television shows with our fans live and immediately after the episode airs. With mega shows like House of the Dragon coming this summer, we're going to have lots to talk about. Not to mention access to our fun and friendly community of club members, with exclusive Discord channels and a dedicated forum. It's one of the best places on the internet to hang out and chat about pop culture. 
Bottom line, you're helping two regular type guys in the Midwest make the content you like to listen to, which some would say is rewarding to itself. Help keep the lights on and the bits flowing at Bald Move. And get some awesome content for yourself. Head to support.baldmove.com to join the club today. Let's boldly go back to the episode. Welcome back to Baldly Go. Um, yeah, so they're they're going to follow this thing. They they uh, meet this photographer as well. They they ask to see her pictures um, in order to get a look at this charring. So we'll meet mm-hmm. her again here in a bit. Um, Kirk steals a car with very little trouble, but the driving isn't quite as easy. Um, they drive it through traffic and they have to give chase where the when the evidence van takes an unexpected turn. I, I, I want to know the, why a Kirk who has never been to Earth can drive a car. Dude, not just any car, a rear wheel drive American muscle car through the, the rain or the, the snow slushed streets of Toronto. No yeah. fucking shot. Yeah, uh, especially when he's power sliding around. He's driving it like a professional driver. I and didn't I, buy I, it. It would have been funnier if he couldn't drive it well. Yes, like they make a couple of jokes about how he just really wants to be in charge because he's kind of like the man and, you know, he's Star Trek 60s is still a little sexist in that way. And I thought it'd be funny for him just to fall on his face. Or here's another idea. Yeah. Cut this whole sequence. Not every Star Trek episode needs to be an hour and one minute long with credits. Like you could just have... Sure. A 45 minute episode without this kind of dumb car chase. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. Um, especially I like since, some of this stuff, but yeah. How, how did you feel about Kirk neck pinching, Vulcan neck pinching somebody? Because this <sighs> kind of rocks my Star yet, Trek fan's I, mind. Or I guess not even doesn't know, doesn't know Spock yet. He doesn't know Spock at all. Um, but he went... He's and they don't six have the same the, relationship with the Vulcans. So. And he spent six months in a neb, nebulan prison and he learned it. But I I always mm-hmm. thought there was a knowledge of nerve clusters, but also a hand strength component that like a Vulcan can do it since they're like, I think, canonically twice as strong as a, a human. Uh, Data can do it because Data has neck pinch people because he's a, he's got the fucking cyborg grip uh, or android grip. Uh, probably Worf could pull it off, like. But like a baseline human, ah, uh, I don't, I don't know. Did you could, did you could, you could pop a dude's neck like that? Maybe. I'm trying to think. I know I've seen it multiple times in Star Trek, and not from Spock. From other. Did McCoy characters. do it when he was possessed by Spock's spirit? And he might. Maybe. I, I kind of think he might have done it in Star Trek Three. Which again, I'm, if I'm that, almost if, certain. If, if that's the case, then I would draw all exception. But I, I really thought that the Vulcan hand strength was a, a, a essential part. Like other otherwise, why wouldn't Spock teach everyone that? You know? Sure. Yeah, it's useful. Uh, like no, this, I'm almost like, certain like that tai, this is he, not he the teaches first Tai Chi, time Vulcan, this. Vulcan, uh, liar, leer, and uh-huh. then neck pinching, one hundred and one on on Enterprise. Yeah, could start a commune with all that that skill. What were the things you liked about it? Because I, I did like a few things about the scene other than the ridiculous kind of setup. Um, and, and the thing is, is like, okay, one more thing. Um, mm-hmm. you, you mentioned he drives like a professional cart. I thought that they might actually, he they might actually throw a line in like, yeah, I've never been to Earth, but I race ice dune buggies on fucking 
the moon of Titan or something that would give him the, mm-hmm. like, you know, the why, cause why he would do this sick drift in the middle of traffic. But nope, he yeah. just is a dumbass that has a preternatural snow driving skills. Yeah. Anyway, what are the things you liked about the scene? Uh, some of the, the jokes and I guess them just bonding, um, like her teasing him about his middle name, uh, Tiberius, the least discreet middle name, that's uh, really funny. Like, like, yeah, all, all that stuff I, I thought was good. Like it's it's not the car driving that I liked. I guess uh, uh, it's more like everything that's happening between the lines here. I liked it too. I like the you know discretion's my middle name. Wait, isn't your name Tiberius? That's like the least discreet name ever, and how mm-hmm. it led to, to to Sam and the George of it all. Uh, which then brings him to make fun of her last name, which leads yes, her to realize, oh realizes. my god, mm-hmm. he doesn't. And that that's a it's a it's a great I, I, I all the stuff that up until they do the needle drop and they have this like driving rock music and Kirk is fishtailing. Mm-hmm. It's like that. I, I didn't I didn't need those 30 to 60 seconds. But yeah, you're right. They had some solid goofs and some solid character development in between all that. Yeah, I forget I forget what the context is, but he's before they get into the car, he's talking about being able to make soup in a toilet. Oh, it's it was like for a vul- the neck pinch thing. Yeah, like I can yeah. do the neck pinch. I can also make soup in a toilet. I can make Vulcan soup, toilet Vulcan yeah. soup. <laughs> Pretty good. Oh, also, I can also I make had, soup in a toilet, Kirk. I had, yeah, anyone can really just open up and get, you know, it's like just eating it's the trick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, arguably, every time you use a toilet, you're making soup. Uh-huh. Um, Some might so say. So they, they mentioned that the, they spent six months in a Denebulan prison. Do you recognize the species? No, I didn't either. But if you're a Star Trek Enterprise fan, you probably do, because that's the species of, I guess, fan favorite Dr. Phlox. Phlox. All right. You know, they had a chief medical officer who was an alien. He could puff his face out and he had a super long tongue and whatnot. I don't know. I only watched watched like like, two episodes of that show. Yeah, like half of the first season of Enterprise. But uh, yeah, they're uh, throwing you an Enterprise continuity bone. Yeah. Anything post uh, season two of Voyager, my knowledge is very yeah, scant. Pretty pretty spotty until we get to Picard, essentially. Or yeah, I the reboots of the decades. movies a little bit, but like yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so they get caught by the cops. A photographer starts hassling the police, so they let him go. And the photographer was also following the van, so they decide to team up. She claims that the bombing was a false flag to distract them from the real threat, aliens. Kirk and Lon claim to have been abducted, and Kirk asks if she's heard about platonic bombs. <laughs> she says, yeah, they've been going off my whole life. <laughs> uh, no, I I don't like this scene. I think sometimes when they try to do very modern things in Star Trek, it works, and sometimes it doesn't. And this, for me, is where it doesn't work. Why would the cops let them go here? This was... Nothing was being done that was wrong here. Nothing. They were driving like maniacs through the streets, through the snow-covered streets of Toronto without licenses. They should be arrested. I think... First of all, I agree with you. I didn't like this scene very much either, but I'm going to play a devil's advocate, which is... 
when you really think about it, what did Kirk do wrong? He lost control of his vehicle and drove through a plaza and almost hurt someone, but he didn't, they, they were very careful that he didn't do any property damage and he didn't actually hit anybody. Sure. So, like, he broke I all can... kinds of traffic laws. All kinds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, you don't get arrested for violating them. Like, you know. You can. Uh, you Certainly. can, but the cops have a lot of discretion about, you know, uh, whether they do or don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes they're like surprisingly cool. And then if you've got a some kind of weird activist with a camera on you screaming about how you're pulling over like a renowned civil uh, rights attorney and you're like, well, what do we have this guy on? And like, let's just give him a warning and get on his way. I don't know. I, like I said, it's I. It's one of those things where, like, I guess I can see my way to, like, agreeing with it, but I wish the show didn't ask me to do so much work. This whole car thing was the one fiasco of Mm. an otherwise pretty clean episode. Yeah, I agree. Um, But it's going to, like, sort of pay off later when she reveals who she actually is. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, it does. Do they ever say her name? Because I... And just I don't writing her so. as photographer and then later Romulan. I got her as conspiracy loon. Uh, okay, that that's I, fair. I, I did like I did like um, in the moment the idea because usually when they go back in time, they always cotton to like a real civil rights leader or a whale researcher or someone who's otherwise mm-hmm. got everything they need to kind of like navigate the situation and like solve the the mystery like they they have like the, the first person they meet is like gifted by the writers to help them succeed mm-hmm. and they start with that but then it's like as she kept on talking I'm like oh this person is an internet like hasn't touched grass in 10 years has been living on the internet and is obsessed with UFOs and conspiracy theories. This is actually kind of funny that, you know, she might be able to help them to some extent, but like, she's going to be useless in a lot of areas. Um, And then the more she kept talking, like, I kind of think it's a cool idea that what is holding back humanity is not our own bloodlust and greed, but it's Romulans. Like every time we got a human leader that tries to like inspire us, he gets killed. Or anytime we have a technology that might do away with global warming, it explodes and poisons a continent. And like they're just fucking with us. They're just they're just they're just fucking with us. It'd be nice if we could blame everything on Romulans. It would be. It would be. (laughs) It would be nice if it wasn't just our own bullshit. But Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of a clever idea. I like it. Okay. Um, I, I like how they turn it around. Once we figure out that she's a Romulan, then a lot of this stuff starts to lock into place and make a little more sense. Um, I think yeah. especially the the stuff that she'll show them in the pictures later with the Romulan warbird, right? That's so cool. It's like a, a literal old series style Romulan warbird. Um, and I thought it was kind of clever that they did that. Even in the moment when I saw the warbird, I was like, oh, because Romulans are, might be flying around. Sure. You know, like exploratorily. Sort of like the Vulcans did uh, in the time. And and then they bring it back in a completely different way. And I thought it was pretty smartly written. But I did too. Boy, uh, some of this stuff is not perfect. Anyway, yeah, she explains all these conspiracy theories to them and invites them to go eat. Uh, find, find the seams in the bunny suit. I guess this is Star Trek's... I, I don't know, common shared conspiracy language. Mm-hmm. that they're kind of inventing here 
But what um, was the bunny? Yeah, what what was the, what was the seams in the bunny suit? The, I mean, the seams in the bunny suit represent like, I, I guess the bunny suit represents the international cabal, right? Like the or the or the thing like hiding the international cabal. So you're like, huh. by by picking at these threads, you're finding the seams, right? And you're gonna unmask them or whatever, unbunny right. suit them. I don't know. It was clear that it was like crazy conspiracy theory language. Gotcha. Uh, so they're eating, and the photographer is showing them pictures, which include a Romulan warbird and a guy waiting for the bomb to go off before the explosion. And then they part ways, and Kirk tells Lon that there was a Romulan attack on an experimental cold fusion reactor in his timeline that destroys Toronto. And he's just now remembering that. Like, Toronto gets blown up, and he's just now. I guess, look, it's a hundred and something years before, so uh, now they need to find the reactor and stop the attack, and Lon might know someone in Vermont that can help them. Here's what's killing me about this scene. Kirk is surprised that poutine has gravy in it. I, What kind of terrible poutine has Kirk been eating in the 22nd oh, century? Shit, man. Canada might have been destroyed since 2163. Like... <laughs> Mm-hmm. Is poutine a lost human art? Apparently, yeah. If they took the gravy out, that's not it's art. It's like that's Roman bullshit. concrete. That's, We've lost that's toilet soup, man. <laughs> <laughs> We've lost ability to make high quality Ontario style poutine. Mm-hmm. Sad. Um and oh my god, the loss to the maple syrup industry. Khan's got a lot to answer for. Is there? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move over to Vermont, I guess. Uh, the terrible Hallmark Christmas movie budget transition. <laughs> I thought they, they have... took a taxi all the way from Toronto to Vermont. And I was well, like, they talked about how they they kind of li- they kind of um, you know lampshade that a bit. Like we had to di- you know yeah, they, they two border crossings, three buses, and five. It, it was it was an ordeal to get here, which it should have been. It should have been. Mm-hmm. No, I, I was. I, I was just thinking how expensive the taxi bill would have been. He would have had to play chess in the park for days yeah. to get that kind of cash. Yeah, or maybe do they do they stop and re-up? They just go to a major metropolitan area, find where the chess hustlers hang out, and fleece them? Yeah. Toronto, apparently. Um, so they travel to Vermont, where they visit Pelia, and they explain that they know who she is, um, and they ask for her help to save the future. It turns out she's not an engineer, Yet, if she ever was, I don't know if she's actually an engineer in the future. So, <laughs> she might be well, just a con artist. I mean, that's a hell of a con artist to teach antimatter reactor classes at the Federation Academy, at Starfleet Academy. Like that is that is some catch me if you can, Leo. Those who Nardo can DiCaprio, do, those who can stuff. I'm yeah. telling you, I'm telling you, she might not know anything about engineering. Um, well, we'll find out in the fullness of time. I like to think that this was like one of those um, paradoxes where she was inspired to study engineering by this encounter with La'an. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's what that. I assume. I like that idea. Uh, she does uh, have some watches that light up in the presence of tritium, which is a byproduct of this cold fusion reactor. I, I don't know if the science of all this checks out, but it was just plausible enough that I'm like, sure, sure. 
Yeah, the tritium stop, it stops mm-hmm. glowing because it no longer has uh, half lives away, but it does the phosphor. The phosphor in the dial remains. So if it was exposed to tritium, then but like on the other hand, how much fucking tritium is coming out of this fusion secret fusion reactor? You got a leak. You got a reactor leak. Like, isn't wrong. tritium like hideously radioactive or no? I don't know. I mean, people were apparently wearing it on their wrists in the 80s. So people did a lot of crazy shit. People used to take x-rays <laughs> the of their faces especially. for fun and and had glass made out of uranium because it glowed. and It was mm-hmm. a real cool party trick. And then their teeth and the hair started falling out like it doesn't, yeah. that doesn't mean it's it's right. Uh, yeah, I, did, I love I, that she's collecting these artifacts and that one of them is like 80s watches. Yeah, that's it. She's just she's just a pack rat. Yeah, I. Hmm. So, does she collect these things, uh, like in their era, or does she go back and collect things that are just valuable that have become valuable? I my take on it was she's kind of like the Highlander, where she has just through her life amassed this collection of artifacts and antiques mm-hmm. and whatnot that you know just become valuable almost any, like almost anything if you could you know you, you go find someone's i don't know fucking silver mirror from the 17th century and you brought it back in time and it was in pristine condition it would be worth hundreds if not thousands of dollars almost anything would coins money stamps mm-hmm. weapons uh it, it's it's so it's like her self-explanation of it is this is kind of like my policy in case shit goes wrong and you try to like go through thousands of years avoiding human detection and trying to avoid civilizational epoch enders and and not be a pack rat. I, I thought it made a lot of sense, and and yeah. I really I thought it was a cool idea as soon as she said Vermont uh, that like oh they're gonna go back and Pella and she's gonna like twenty first century engineer some solution to this thing. I thought that was a cool idea, but when they show up mm-hmm. and she has no idea what the hell they're talking about, in fact, is it kind of aggressively yeah. anti science and STEM and math? I thought that was an even better. Uh, you know, again, kudos to the writers' room. They kept they came up with some really interesting subversions of fairly standard time travel Star Trek tropes in this episode, mostly successfully. Yeah, that, that was a great twist. Uh, the archaeology department just being a antique store, essentially. Yeah. Uh, very good. Yeah, I like all that stuff. And I, won- I also wondered how far could you get if you went up to any average stranger and you knew their name and you said, I look, look, you need to come here with me, Jim, because I know who you are and I know your secret. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> is that like the, the skeleton key? If you know someone's name and you can just look dead serious and say, and I know your dark secret. Enough people have things that they would consider dark secrets that they would just like, uh, you know, and go along with a little bit until they figure out who the fuck you are maybe trust but verify also like mm. what is my dark secret all right tell me right if you right. know you it say in front of, shouldn't be in a front of this guy really uh yeah let's go let's go in this other room we'll talk about my dark secret so i can trust you and then we'll get on with I, our business and i kind of like pella's kind of like i don't know if having brain melting secrets is a good way to to, to establish a cooperative relationship but i also had the idea that like she probably had three different ways to kill these people if she really thought they were seriously onto her. Possibly. Yeah. 
But I don't know. Maybe you also see that two thousand because the other que- we had a lot of questions about these lanthians, lanthides, lanthanides, mm-hmm. and they answered a lot of it. They've been around thousands for multiple years. thousands of years, at least since Pythagoras. So, yeah. if we can believe the the taker at her word, that's like uh, pretty next level shit. Yeah. Uh, Lana Kirk wander around Toronto looking for Tritium while they chat and bond and eventually all that chatting and bonding ends in Kirk kissing Lon but their moment is interrupted by the Tritium alarm yeah no it's uh, I mean we kind of talked around the scene um, I liked it uh, I thought mm-hmm. it was it felt kind of like an, it, it didn't feel forced it felt pretty natural it helps that the guy that got playing Kirk is pretty charismatic it turns out um, and like yeah all the, everything we know about Lon that we've discovered this episode you know like this all kind of tracks and makes sense and I think despite the fact that she's almost 30, 40 in real life uh, all these Enterprise junior officers felt like they play young like I feel like they're supposed to be in their mid 20s and like this stuff all kind of felt pretty realistic yeah i think so um and i i thought that they were both sort of like being marooned here together i thought added something on kirk's side of it too like yeah kirk's a horn dog right you kind of sure. don't need a huge excuse for him just needs a pulse yeah to i don't know to, to hook up with her but also i think he's feeling a little bit lonely too like they're stuck in this place together where they're the only ones who can do this mission. The only ones they can trust. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like how anyway, he fucks around with her sense of him being an idiot too. you know, like Kirk might not. Yeah, Cause Kirk is a, is a meathead, but he also, he's your stereotypical Renaissance man, Federation captain. He knows about Shakespeare. He knows about, Mm-hmm. Uh, the the Old Testament. He's he studied things, right? And he's yeah. like this. Although I do wonder, like maybe you study Shakespeare, but do you really study Nathaniel Hawthorne? I don't know. Where do you end? Because there've got to be so many other extra- extremely famous authors, right? It's like do, do people that from other countries kind of study- a two. Do you know what I mean? Like, those, the, like, I just wonder, like, do people in other countries study Nathaniel Hawthorne? Because I always thought that was like a quintessential American novel. Because it's so of a time and place, but like, yeah, would 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 that be something required reading in Starfleet Academy? I don't know. That's the thing. The the, the that that is kind of a double edged sword with the idea that like, yeah, we are smarter because we've we're standing on the shoulders of giants. We're learning things sooner and faster. Um, knowledge is power. That kind of thing. But there's also a glut of knowledge right there is so much out there in a hundred and something more years how much more will there be there's more being created every day now than there was in a century you know a thousand years ago so at some point your brain can't take it all in and you can't you just don't have time to view everything so what gets lost and apparently you know uh, modern 2000s music gets lost entirely uh, if it's not from who let the dogs know, hundreds out? of years ago, no who one let the, dogs the, out? the eugenics war wiped at the all academy. memory of that. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that one's preserved uh, as a time capsule. Where it's it's so that they never repeat the mistakes of yesteryear. <laughs> uh, is Bohemian Rhapsody known to 
We know oh, Beastie Boys so. was preserved into the 23rd century, but mm -hmm. uh, well, yeah, mm -hmm. where's the divide? Yeah, where's the dividing line? I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, they, you, you would think like at some point you just couldn't take it all in because there's too much of it. But he knows it. Uh, so they go to a facility which turns out to be a Nudian Singh facility. So it just kind of opens up for Lon, who has uh, genetic markers apparently. But the photographer shows up with a gun, revealing that she's a time-traveling Romulan, and she shoots Kirk, which uh, sets off alarms. Kirk dies, and the Romulan grabs Lon, forcing her into the facility. I thought it was really funny to see Jim Kirk called on a bluff, because like that is his plan A, B, and C, mm -hmm. is usually bluff, double down on the bluff, try a completely different bluff. And like within 10 seconds of the bluff, he has a giant bullet hole in his heart and he's dying. And then he's dead 10 seconds later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's, it's not even a bluff. Like all the things he says will happen. It happen, is true. But yeah, he just doesn't think that someone will be ballsy enough to call him on it. Yeah. That there's a, there's a, um, uh, uh, Romulan has been stuck on this planet since pre grunge era. And she's just over everyone's shit. Um, Apparently, yeah. I, I, and like on my first watch, I'm like, man, there's a. I, my first watch of this episode, I came away thinking, boy, there's a lot of coincidences that this thing, you know, kind of relied on. But second watch, it's like, you know, it's like, okay, really, she's gonna have genetic markers. They're gonna let her get in because she's an ancestor of Khan. And like, I don't know if I buy that, but like the time travel lady makes a point at the end that it wasn't a chance that their time officer appeared to her like they know all these things about the past they know like they have a database apparently can search and sift through all kinds of like personnel records and information uh to find that there is a particular person who's uniquely suited to do this mission and having that genetic marker is one of those things that made so it's like it kind of made sense because it was it wasn't a random happenstance that this guy, like you think in the first episode, like, oh, he just appears, and the first person he appears to, he grabs and gives this mission. No, she was selected. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, there's I a lot of um, kind of retconning. Not retconning, but like enlightening, further context you get uh, as this episode goes. That's one. Um, like I said, the Romulan being a Romulan is one that yeah. makes everything like click into place and go, oh, okay, this is making sense. Uh, and I It's said really this smartly written. I said this on Picard when they were doing a good job of this too. There's a couple things in Star Trek that needed to be probably retconned, uh, like the disparity, disparate dis discrepancies between when the eugenics war and World War Three were said to happen versus them mm. actually happened. The fact that our time, you know, it seems like we were a lot bigger into s the space exploration and a lot sooner in Star Trek's. Why? Why the discrepancy? And for them mm. to come in and essentially say it was a, it, it's a, it's a Romulan plot. <laughs> and mm -hmm. that that has like everything's going to happen it's going to take a little bit longer to do it i think it's kind of it's I, it's a great idea and they're gonna have to do it again in like 20 30 years when canada doesn't explode with a fusion reactor or whatever but it it's <laughs> it's cool i i like that they're i like they're rolling up their sleeves and they're they're trying to do some smart retcons here mm -hmm. uh so instead of going to the reactor they go to the genetics lab where Khan is and the Romulan wants to kill Khan because the computer told her that it would result in the Federation never forming and Lon refuses to open the door to the lab even after the Romulan appeals to her feelings of isolation 
So they fight, and the Romulan manages to get the door open, but Lon shoots her. Before she dies, she disintegrates herself? I... It, I couldn't like. tell if this was disintegration or if she is like time traveling back to go give this another shot. Um, it looked like she triggered something on her ear that spontaneously combusted her. Okay. But this is, this is the cyanide capsule and the tooth of Romulan civilization, I suppose. Yeah. But it also could be since like when she completes her mission, she kind of dissolves in golden light. Like mm-hmm. maybe that's just the, you, you could be right that this is the, that's what I was wondering. And and if this, uh, I wouldn't mind seeing this Romulan show up as an antagonist in future seasons, like recurring, <laughs> like minor mm-hmm. villains. That's a big fun part of Star Trek history. I could see it. Like, oh no, she, you thought she did, but that's just the that's just the that's just the Romulan time retrieval mechanism. And she went back, and yeah. their advanced science saved her life. It's possible. It's hard to tell with all the new effects because there's nothing I can recognize as like, oh, that's when the Romulans disintegrate themselves or something. And they also introduced this concept where this this Romulan officer is ranting and raving about how often that she's tried to like subvert the timeline, but that it's almost like the timeline itself fights back and pushes back this, you know, idea of um, the fact that like time is kind of fixed and you can't really fuck with it. Like it's always going to find a way to bend back into its original. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 its original form. I thought that was kind of cool. And the, the idea that she wanted this, she's been trying to kill Khan since 1992, but because their efforts get thwarted, it just keeps getting delayed. I actually thought it was kind of an interesting idea to have Lon, because when I see Khan, I'm like, oh, there's going to be like, are they going to like de-age Ricardo Montalban or whatever the hell his name is, uh, mm-hmm. the Fantasy Island guy? Are they going to digitally mm-hmm. de-age him and he's going to be in there like 35-year-old Khan, uh, like Star Trek, the old series era Khan, and mm-hmm. he's just a boy. Yeah. Which is, I don't know if they intended to work like this, but like, you know, like the the moral problem is like, what if you went back in time to like, you know, the 19 aughts? And you met baby Hitler or you met like mm-hmm. sweet little six year old Hitler. Would you would you kill that child to spare Europe a hundred million dead? Um, Laan did that and she doesn't. She mm-hmm. is choosing to plunge the earth into a terrible war and kill hundreds of millions of people because the Federation ultimately is the better way to go. And there's added stakes here because she personally is affected every single day by this decision. True. Like she's putting the scarlet letter back on her. I thought it was interesting. Like, like if you were a Hitler, right? If you were a descendant of Hitler and you had that opportunity, there would be even more reason for you to want to kill Hitler. Yeah. But it's like, you could almost make a case of like, well, if, World War II hadn't happened. The League of Nations had failed. Maybe the United Nations doesn't get back together. Maybe Europe is still like, you know, you you kill Hitler and you prevent World War II. But like what you have is a lot of smaller scale, smaller intensity conflicts that have raged in Europe for thousands of years and continue. And like the world just doesn't quite get together. Like there is a little bit of like spirit of cooperation, at least in the Western allies. Uh, Didn't really last with our Soviet friends. But like, I, I wonder if you can make that same case as like, you know, in 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 our times, like the world would be worse if we didn't go through World War Two. Now, 
I'm not willing to say that because I think I go back and and and, and get a chance to kill baby Hitler. You, you fucking do it. You, you roll the dice and, and hope the world's better if you spare 100 billion people from from death. But it's like I said, it's right. it's hard not to make that comparison. Um, and the difference being, they have provided that fictional alternative, right? Um, they have. We know so that you can, s- can compare and contrast the two timelines and say, well, one is clearly better. Right, right. It'd be interesting to go forward into the 23rd century and see, like, okay, like how much of early 20th century history shaped the better world that we eventually get to if if we get there. But uh, yeah, yeah, you're 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 right. But but you also have like there. I was wondering if her being kind to him was going to somehow subtly influence the future. Hmm. But um, I don't know. I was reading. I was reading up in the Memory Alpha about Khan and like refreshing myself about the timelines. And they had this interesting mm-hmm. paragraph about how there was lots of supermen and women as they established that there was like you know there was like what a series of eight. And like out of all the warlords that end up like Khan was the most successful and the most relatively benign. That mm-hmm. like yes he did was the supreme ruler of a quarter of the Earth's people and surface, but also. You know, he's kind of like a Vlad the Impaler, Dracula type, where it's like, you know, he was, he was, he was, um, had a certain uncompromising sense of justice, but also like his lands were peaceful and secure and blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't know. I wonder if they're like, cause again, I, the one thing I'm convinced of all the, the brain trust and current Star Trek is they are massive Star Trek nerds. And I wonder oh, yeah. if they're also like as a it's, it's like was there a way that we could have Khan have an experience would make why is he the most benign or benevolent of all of the superhuman genetically engineered warlords and it's like is it because this woman was nice to him and comforted him in a moment of like fear and uncertainty and doubt yeah maybe <laughs> I don't know I don't know it is also wild to sit there and tell ba- like like six year old Hitler hey kid you're exactly where you need to be. Mm-hmm. follow mm-hmm. that shooting follow that shooting star you crazy kid. like ah yeah I I assume that the people in this photograph might be his crew I wondered that I wondered that but too I, I was going to go do a one to one comparison and see if they roughly line up like hair color and, and yeah. gender and all that stuff but I but there are there a lot of the time. super supermen that uh, were killed and executed um, but also, like, yeah. he has children that are genetically superior. Like, uh-huh. there's, there's all uh-huh. kinds of like things that could have uh, happened differently, I guess. For sure. Shields up! Here come the ads. At ease, ensigns. Welcome back to Baldly Go. Um. So we we kind of talked through all the con stuff um we're we we didn't talk about what happens at the end of that where she presses the button and goes back to her timeline and then she goes to the bridge just to verify that she's back in her timeline and yeah uh pike's there all is as it should be she goes back to her quarters finds an agent of temporal investigations waiting for her and that agent thanks lon for protecting the timeline asks for their equipment back and then disappears uh let's talk about the the temporal investigations real quick before we get to the kirk stuff this is a well-established department of the federation I, they show up at least in deep space nine right like was yeah. there f- yeah have you got to the triple episode yet uh-huh 
Because that the whole framing device of that episode is like Cisco being debriefed by the temporal investigation department and like, you know, how how bad you fuck things up. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and they're much more adversarial in that episode than, than this agent is. Um, but probably because I don't the, the stakes, I don't recall being as high. Plus Cisco in this case was the James T. Kirk doing fishtails through a Central Park where. Yeah. In this episode, La'an is kind of the cops trying to set things right. Mm-hmm. She's unwittingly, not not wit. She's 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 doing their bidding versus fu- you know fucking things up. Yeah, and she got it right. I mean, I imagine if she didn't get it right, yeah, I I don't know. Is there is there a? <laughs> I guess if she doesn't get it right, there will be no consequences from the temporal investigations because they won't exist. Right. And can temporal investigations keep trying? Like, does like if if Elon fucks up, can they take and give a bracelet to somebody else? Because they mentioned that the right. device shields a person from temporal changes. So, like, if you would cease to exist, this device would somehow shield you from that consequence, so that like the temporal the investigation department can still like ah oh, fuck we don't exist anymore but we still exist in this one little pocket and we can still send the John Connor back to fight the machines mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know. It's messy know time exactly travel and Star Trek it time travel, is. the messiest. Yeah. Um, I, I did think about this would be the easiest way to manipulate a Starfleet officer, right? Say like I'm you, from temporal investigations. Yeah. Like I need you to do this thing and you can't tell anybody because it could fuck up the timeline, but I need you to go back in time and steal this thing. Like this was a plot point in. Uh, the episode of Star Trek where Picard takes a vacation on Ryza. Like these people show up and say they're from the future and they're trying to prevent the theft of something, but they're actually criminals mm-hmm. trying to steal the thing in the first place. And Picard goes along with it like a dope until mm-hmm. he realizes at the very end. But like, holy cow, that's a that's a really winning strategy to show up and be like the fate of the universe depends on it. The timeline's going to switch if you don't go back. And meanwhile, they're just they're, you're just they're nicking something for the, you know, corrupt or fraudulent time police. Yeah. How could you ever know? You really couldn't like you're going to take it. It's like it's like, uh, you know, well, yeah. Who's going to not cooperate with them? You know? Yeah, they they need some way to be able to prove it to the people of the current timeline that they are who they say they like are. Like a special handshake? Like I'm trying to think of like how no, you no, could demonstrate like a, like a being able to to tell them things that they couldn't possibly know without being from the future. Or do the whole like predict the very near future like you're about to get a hailing uh-huh. from Nurse Chapel and she's going to ask you exactly. about the yoga class that you're supposed to take and then like there's Nurse Chapel. Yeah, yeah, I guess you could. I, I guess I guess time travelers do have that ability to blow people's minds. Mm-hmm. That just proves anyway. you're from the future. It doesn't prove that you're there. <laughs> True. With a good True. motive. Yeah, or that you work for who you say you work for. Could be baby Hitler traveling through time to make sure you don't kill him. <laughs> Jesus. Yep. You don't think could you can shave Romulan. that fucking mustache? Mm-hmm. Change his hair color. Lose the accent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's like yeah if you're not if a time driver future from the future comes and tells you to do something you don't immediately suspect it's aged baby Hitler trying to put the timeline <laughs> back I don't know what to tell you you're a rube you're a fool yep uh, so then Lon calls up Kirk to chat of course he doesn't know her but at least he was born on earth 
and she cries over having lost her preferred Kirk, uh, mostly because of what it what it stands for, what it signifies in her own life, right? Not not necessarily because Kirk is gone, but because she's back to where she was before, also. Yeah, that like. Uh, to me, it's like okay, you're let's let's say that uh, you know Lieutenant Noonien Singh is in their mid twenties, and they have been a loner their whole life. Probably haven't had a lot of romantic relationships. Uh, they go on this um, mission with this other person, and they have this like familiarity and this intimacy and this weight off their shoulders they never felt before. And then less than twenty four hours, it's all brutally ripped away from them, murdered in front of their eyes. Mm-hmm. And you also cannot talk to anyone about it. You can't like see the ship's counselor. Uh, like that breakdown at the end felt pretty fucking real, and I felt really bad yeah. for her because man, what a rug pull! It's almost like it, it's almost like baggage has been added this episode. I don't feel like this has done anything to help her situation. It's only made it worse because now she's this is true. She's chosen to be in that situation. A. But B, she has this added knowledge that there is another path for her. There, they didn't have to be like this, right? Uh, yeah, and it's like the. I wonder in her mind if she's like, well, if I ever, you know, maybe I do meet Kirk on Starbase, but then he hears my, you know, he like processes my last name, and like there's, you know, like even if he's cool about it, there's still that friction, and mm-hmm. to not have that friction, you know. Uh, yeah, I I felt like I I I felt like they really earned that moment. Um, they did, and I felt bad yeah. for her. So well written episode, uh, and it's like also like where do they take this in the future? There's so many different things yeah. they could do with it. Uh, Get those drinks. Let's find out how it's gonna go. Yeah, uh, and all yeah. she has of him is this watch. Right, that that's the one thing she took away from this that she can. I guess so display. This, Can she, she start, wear this 80s watch around? I was going to ask you, does she actually wear this thing around or is it more like um, it's going to become more like, you know, Data has this uh, uh, holograph of Yar and like mm-hmm. it's in his possession. It's one thing, but like it only shows up when they want to remind you that he had this relationship with Lieutenant Yar, right? It showed up. I think in, it's going to be yeah. more of that. I, I don't think she's going to be showing up every single time. With no, this it'll be on. like on her nightstand and she'll like look over to it for time to time. But like, I, I, I yeah, it'd be weird for her to wear it. Although, because like the thing is that people would ask, like that's like if people would ask about it, mm-hmm. you know, and like she's not supposed to talk about it. So like, yeah, why right. are you wearing a 400 year old watch? You know, you think Pelia would recognize it? Be like that. That's so. That is what I think collection. is really interesting. Is like going because like the the way I think this particular timeline and it's time travel works differently depending on what episode of Star Trek you're looking at. But I think you're supposed to understand that that Pella, who had this experience with Laan, no longer exists. Or does that track? I, well, because the timeline splits at the attack, right? It, and not the bridge attack. When Toronto because blows they, up. they both mentioned yeah, it. Yeah. Both of them had knowledge of the bridge attack. It happened during the fusion react. So, like, they met before then. Maybe. Maybe. She should. I think by the rules of this time travel stuff, yeah, she should have some knowledge of that. And I think it would be, like, retro. The way I think it would work is, like, retroactively, she would have always known that La'an was La'an, and she was waiting for her to catch up to it. But, like, mm-hmm. I also think the timeline changed so that the old uh, Pella did not know 
until this episode happened and now she always knows oh because they always they showed like when she hit the button there was like a wave that propagated through the ship like you know the the timeline ripples are going through so i think i don't know i'm very curious to see her their next interaction if there's any kind of like knowing glance or smile or they actually talk about it because they're the the, even though the the lady told her not to talk like if there's one person you could talk to about it it'd probably be pella Mm mm-hmm you know, she's like that Guinan figure that like you can always take heavy time fate questions to because she's already lived through it and she you know right yeah yeah I would think so we'll see see what they do with that uh, I also want to see how much this watch is worth on eBay because like in our current time because you want to this is a 200 year old watch at this point right Oh, I thought you meant like right now you wanted to get a screen applica- uh screen. Oh, no, no, no. Replica I don't care about Tritium. Laon watch. Light up watches. No. <laughs> yeah. I, I just want to know if she if she needed money for, uh, let's say the paperwork to change her name or something. Uh, True. Could she go sell this thing on eBay? I don't know. I think she missed capitalism. She's too late. Too Too late. Born too know, late to clearly... sell shit on eBay, but just the right time to explore the galaxy. So <laughs> I, they're, not they're bad naming trade-off. things b- bought on eBay. So they they know e- that eBay exists. Bought on eBay, right? Bought ah uh, Jesus. Did you make <laughs> a bought on eBay joke? Bought on eBay. Did you just yeah, make a bot? Okay, all right. Sorry, <laughs> someone else has been brushing up on their con history. <laughs> it's a real bad one. Uh, Anyway, that's the episode. I thought it was a good one. I I hear that the next three are also at least three are also very good. So all right, I'm yeah, I wasn't excited. sure if this is the start of the like what you said is the the slate of good Star Trek episodes. I've enjoyed them yeah, all, but I thought this was. was this was a lot of fun and mm-hmm. surprisingly had a lot of heart at the end too. Yeah, so, and, and everything clicked in this episode except for maybe a car chase or or two. Um, yeah. So yeah, if if they're all this good, I'm excited for another season. Um, if you'd like to send us feedback, you can do so at Star Trek at baldmove.com. We got a little bit of feedback uh, first about the survival in space. Always a great chestnut to, to pick on. Uh, maybe one day we'll see a completely accurate depiction of uh, humans exposed to space. But until then, we have feedback on it. Karen sees up first said, no disrespect to the expanse, but studies and data suggest you get about a minute in space before death. Maybe not because of freezing, but Mbinga wasn't wrong. Y'all had several rants, so don't get me wrong. I do enjoy the pods. I could rebut this, uh, but I think the one that uh, I think maybe you should clear up. This is the one I think you should clear up. Um, I When people say you have an hour in, or a minute in space before dying, I think they mean literally that's about how long you'll get before the biological processes are irreversible. Um you get what I've seen up to 15 to maybe 30 seconds of useful consciousness. I tend to think it's going to be more like 10 to 15 seconds. Cause I, I, here's the thing. I don't think people realize how much oxygen your brain requires to maintain consciousness. And if you ever want a, an, an illustration of that, go to like an MMA gym, anyone and ask one of their instructors to put uh, you to give you a blood choke that you will have somewhere between three and five seconds from the time they apply that before you are no longer conscious. That's mm-hmm. how long it takes for your, your brain to starve itself of oxygen and turn you off. 
and and in space with your lungs explosively decompressing to where you have effectively zero oxygen in your lungs, it only takes that few seconds for your oxygen to run out to where your brain can learn to maintain consciousness. So like you might be alive in space for a minute, but you are going to be unable to do anything to alter your circumstances uh, or, or, or self-rescue much beyond 10, 15, 20 seconds. Uh, maybe an extraordinarily like a, a Olympic athlete could make it to 30. But I just, I don't know. It just, it bothers me. It's one thing for Star Trek to talk about the lithium crystals and matter, antimatter and things like that. But like, I feel like this is settled science. You are abs. The one thing you're not going to do in a one minute is freeze to death. So yeah, I mean, like, I've it, seen it, guardians. I, I, I know what happens when you <laughs> go into space for a prolonged period. Yeah. And the thing is, we get, we get, we get, I feel like we get closer and closer to being correct, but Star, Star Trek is such a big science fiction show that, like, I feel like, oh, God, we're going to go through another 10 year cycle of people saying, oh, we're going to freeze to death, you know, and that's the, the big threat. So I don't know, take it or leave it. That's just what I sincerely believe. Um, she goes on to mention, I did want to mention about the enhancing drug. We saw in episode one, season one, that Nurse Chapel can brew up a DNA adjusting serum. It seems to me that this is the case here. There's something that she made for them, her and Mimbinga back during the war that she has hung on to that augments them that uh, uh, momentarily to be able to fight for uh, some time against the Klingons. I'm guessing along with the Una storyline, that would not necessarily be something Starfleet would be interested in using regularly as it skates too close to augmentation, which is why I guess everyone doesn't have it. Um, yeah, I could buy that. And ultimately, I think it's because it doesn't seem like this is a something. This seems like if it does alter the DNA, it must be momentarily because it, it's not like they're like this all the time. It's like they take the drug, mm-hmm. the drug has a limited effect, and then they go back to baseline humans, which I think the Federation would not have a problem on. That seems like more like genetic augmentations that's heritable is the thing that they really get upset about. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Uh, Dr. Barry Goodman says two words, Boyle's Law. This is the uh, something about gases uh, uh, evaporating. Uh, you don't want to hold your breath in space, but they're missing in the article are all those air bubbles from dissolved gases in the blood coming out of solution, i.e. the bins on steroids. Uh, think of all the potential air spaces, tooth infection, sinus conjections, your ears, your eyes, boom. And he included a link from futurism.com that says six ways interstellar vacuum will actually kill you. And it posits that you'll get the bins. I don't know. Um, I don't know that you can get the bins from going from one atmosphere to zero. You know, like that's something if you're down several atmospheres for long periods of time and you come up to one atmosphere, but going from one to zero. Because the other thing is like uh, that I've read. Have you read this too, Jim, that like our skin is actually an effective pressure containment system? Like for for one to zero atmosphere, mm-hmm. so like your blood no. might want to boil in a vacuum, but your skin maintains enough tension and elasticity that your blood can't boil because it's maintaining an internal pressure. This the the constriction of your own skin. Mm-hmm. So like the saliva might begin to boil on your tongue, your tears might uh, sublimate, and you probably get a lot of frost crystals and maybe icing over your eyeballs. Um, but your blood is not going to boil over the time scales in which it's going to be the thing that kills you, you know? Like, if you get bins and those, like, it'll be minutes 
and not seconds. But I, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. That article you cl- quoted mentioned that there's been a couple instances, I think once with a Russian, once with an, an American who was doing an extremely high altitude balloon jump where they lost decompression in their arm of their suit and their arm suffered minor swelling um, and uh, uh, effects of being exposed to freezing temperatures. But like, you know, it's not like their arm exploded or the blood Mm -hmm. in their arm began to boil or things like that. So again, Mm. I just, I just wish you didn't say freeze in a minute. That's because that's the, the, the least of your worries in space. All right, uh, Mark H. Hey guys, you got a real. I got a real kick out of the fact that you mentioned that multiple mem- members of the Expanse showed up in Strange New Worlds. I apologize if you already know this, but much of this is due to the filming locations. Yes, Jim, we can blame Canada. I began Sweet. watching the Expanse solely because you guys were covering it. Uh, as I was working my way through the backlog of seasons, I kept seeing actors from my other favorite show, Letterkenny, a Canadian comedy streaming on Hulu. I noticed it kept popping up on The Expanse. Every third or fourth episode, I'd see someone from Letterkenny, and it turned out to be Leonardo DiCaprio meme from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. In fact, drummer Kara Gee appears in an episode of Letterkenny. This is followed into Strange New Worlds. Melanie Scrofano, who plays Christopher Pike's sometimes love interest, plays a ridiculously crass yet utterly hilarious character on uh, Letterkenny. Adrian Holmes, who plays Admiral April, plays a multiple episode arc in Letterkenny. All these shows were in our film very close to each other in Canada, and so it seems there's quite a bit of crossover with these actors. Uh, that makes sense. Hollywood productions have a lot of people living in L.A. in them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. the, can, can, the Canadians are getting into it, too. Moving on to Mark Z. Hey, guys. Glad you're around for The Strange and New. Is it possible that Spock's catchphrase is actually now and not I want to make it go? Hopefully, his awkward packledisms are merely a precedent to now because, uncomfortable with the aggression and brevity of now, he feels a need to clarify his orders, something he can refine as becomes more comfortable with command. For instance, if he has a bridge in the future, he might say, Warp 5, now! Alright. Yeah, I would hope so. I still think it's cringe. Like, what do you got? A couple hundred starships and... Starfleet and you all have to come up with your own individual catchphrase Mm -hmm. I feel like there would be like two or three main categories of catchphrase like you know Chuck Yeager they say was insanely influential on early pilots and the reason that so many captains are like oh this is your captain speaking and uh, is because that's how Chuck Yeager talked everybody thought Chuck Yeager was so fucking cool and they they copied his kind of Texan drawl his laconic delivery I feel like that's what you'd have. Like, you know, uh, you'd have a captain's like, let's hit it. You have a captain's like, punch it. You got a captain's like, make it so. And you you would, every other captain would follow whichever one he thought was cooler. Yeah. Every captain is either going to talk like this or yes. they're going to put on a fake English accent. Shakespearean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> There's just not enough room. There's not enough room for 150 different catchphrases. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right that I think that the now thing is going to uh, give him problems because it just seems it just seems rude. You know? Yeah, it, I, it's also very precise. I like the precision of it, I guess. Because I'm always wondering, like, when, you know, they're counting down or when they're giving orders, there's an inherent delay in the transfer of orders, both 
you know, from from mouth to ears, but also between. Sometimes Picard will give an order that Riker will then relay mm-hmm. to other stations, and I'm like, the inherent delay there is going to cause confusion and problems. I kind of like the direct specificity of now. Yeah, I mean that stuff is just purely a holdover from ancient naval practice, really. Yeah, you know, where sure. like you there, there's like a command structure, and this is the most efficient way you could do it. But like, literally, the ship could hear him. Uh-huh. Captain Carby could bring the helm about to two four one Mark seven and get and like the ship could already be doing it by the time Wesley typed in his commands. You know, you're right, right. But it is cool. I always, I always like seeing Riker, you know, being the, you know, the official mouthpiece of Picard. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it makes much sense, but I, I do, <laughs> I do like it. But yeah, now nah, I don't know. This is, this is a new Trek thing that I'm not. This might be. I'm just too old, and all the Star Trek kids love it. But uh, I'm not a fan. Not a fan of the catchphrase. Uh, is I'm not a fan of forcing it. Like obviously engage mm, yeah, and make yeah. it so is iconic, but they didn't fucking workshop that. Certainly not breaking the fourth wall to do so. Mm-hmm. You I'm know. with you there. I think like they should have let that develop organically with each of the captains so that we yeah. could notice it and be like, haha, I noticed. Yeah, that. that's something the fans do on Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not something that show needs to engage in. Uh, Kevin. Augmentation, genetic manipulation, DNA changes. Oh, my. In the first episode of season two, they take the green stuff and Chapel also injects them with something to change their genes this is back in season one, I think. But in the second episode of Star Trek 2, Una is on trial for basically all of these things. I hope the events of episode 1 come into consideration for episode 2 or later in the season. Otherwise, those writers need to pay better attention to what they are writing week to week and strive for more consistency. I mean, yeah, yeah, you're definitely going like I maybe I'm grading this on a Trek curve, but the first seasons of almost every Trek I can think of were kind of a mess. And some of the characterizations were you know leaned into or leaned out of or uh, ultimately even retconned on occasion uh casting changes all kinds of things so like i want to give them a a season or two to find their footing and also say that this Mm -hmm. is probably the most sure-footed star trek debut i've seen ever yeah but yeah not like Deep Space Nine one is not a disaster but it's 25 Mm -hmm. episodes and they vary widely in quality um, but yeah and I also like I don't know that the green stuff would be like that'd be like uh, if you inject steroids or human growth ho- hormones or just adrenaline I, I don't think the Federation would care about that so much as you know changing your DNA so that you can breathe methane or whatever mm-hmm. or being super strong or super smart sure um we should also not forget that the morality and laws about being genetically enhanced were covered pretty well also in Deep Space Nine, mm-hmm. uh, where it's revealed that Dr. Bashir was enhanced and his father went to jail for breaking the Federation's laws. So a hundred-ish years later, after Una's court case, nothing has changed. I also recall that there's going to be a group of enhanced adults in Deep Space Nine that were also related to Julian. The Federation used them to help strategize against the Dominion in the episode's statistical probabilities. Um, yeah. I mean, sometimes it takes a while to change things, you know, like I hear that slavery is made illegal over 100 years ago, but, you know, we're still dealing with a lot of the echoes of that in society. Like no one, no one that should be taken seriously would ever say that like, oh, yeah, we completely blotted that stain 
out of our history and has ag- have aggressively driven its 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 uh, pernicious effects out of modern society. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I I think it's I don't know somewhat realistic that this more rough and tumble federation is something that they're going to struggle with still. Like again, as something as big as World War Three, led by alleged genetically manipulated madmen might leave a scar on a society that lasts over 100 years. That mm-hmm. makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, me too. It's not right. It just makes sense, you know? Um, Alan said that you had expressed skepticism that there's a connection between genetics and personality. Uh, research from twin studies shows that like so many aspects of human psychology, it seems to be about 50-50 between nature and nurture. And he links to a psychology.org article talking about the fi- big five personality traits. Um, big five co- personality traits. And I guess this is um, a pretty well accepted among psychologists. Like these are kind of like the, the, the uh, you know, the five main indicators of, of a person's overall psychological personality. Consciousness. Uh, with impulsive and disorganized versus disciplined and careful agreeableness, uh, suspicious and uncooperative versus trusting and helpful neuroticism, calm, confident versus anxious and pessimistic openness to experience, which prefers routine and practical versus imaginative and spontaneous and extroversion, which is reserved and thoughtful versus sociable and fun loving. Uh, this article says the big five attributes remain relatively stable throughout most of one's lifetime. They're influenced significantly by genes and the environment with an estim- estimated heritability of around 50%. He says, I don't see why you couldn't theoretically use genetic engineering to make someone more conscientious, empathetic, etc. Once medical technology develops to that level, regardless of what the screenwriters had Julian Bashir say on Deep Space Nine. Um, so I guess this was addressed to you. What do you think of that? <laughs> I don't know. I sure, man. If if you have a report that says that, there are probably four other people who have reports that say the opposite. I I don't fucking know is the answer. Uh, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a researcher. Sure. And also, like, can we give like sometimes? Can we give the so so what? So Julian Bashir said asserted that uh, one's genetic makeup doesn't affect one's personality. Is that what you asserted? Uh, well, that's what his parents say. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, yeah, it the, could be that like, his parents give him his drive. His were his parents scientists, genetic scientists, or were they just parents no. wanting their kid to not be stupid? Uh, they were the latter. So it's possible that they just sold him a, a, a you know, a, a bill of goods that wasn't sure, entirely. I think the, the reason for this email, though, is I said, I agree with that during our podcast ah. i think it's been it's been a long time since we recorded that podcast and a lot of shit has happened between and so i don't remember but <laughs> yeah. i think that's the thing okay all right which i do generally agree with it but i'm no researcher i'm no psychologist i'm none of the above so hmm. take it for what is you this will a, and i because i just read an interesting article a couple weeks ago about um, high trust societies versus low trust societies and, you know, like a lot of times Americans will go to um, a place like Korea or Japan or Eastern Europe and they're very taken aback by how people don't smile at you. And when people bump into you accidentally, they don't say, oh, excuse me or pardon me or, um, you know, like there's just like this kind of coldness and not an expectation of open friendliness. 
And then a lot of times these same people, they come to America and they find it very off-putting and weird and fake that like, and cloying, the people are always smiling and welcoming you to places and kind of help you and this and that. And they said that it's like the, in low trust societies where you are apt to be taken advantage of, um, and you have to rely on your kind of own wits, uh, to, to, to make it through life without, without being preyed upon that we develop these things like smiling and being friendly and uh, t- as a way to signal to others that we are one of the ones that can be trusted. We're not going to come and do you d- danger. Where in a high trust society where the average citizen doesn't think that their fellow uh, citizen is going to take advantage of them, at, uh, they tend to be more brusque because why Why would I spend the energy on caring about these strangers when they're not out to get me? I can just go about doing my life and, and nobody's going to fuck with me. So like... That alone, if that's true, it feels like that that's going to, you know, like if you live in a low trust society, you're going to develop all these coping mechanisms, not because your DNA was for it, but because this is the way you were trained to, you know, your parents were probably hard on you if you didn't say sorry for bumping into somebody or blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And so it's like I, and it always made sense that it's 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 a lot of your environment plus your genetics. But. Again, I'm not a gen- I'm not a psychologist geneticist either. Anyway, that's the feedback for this week. Once again, uh, send us email at Star Trek at baldmove.com if you'd like to, us to consider that uh, in the weeks ahead. You can also follow everything that we do here at Twitter, twitter.com slash baldmove uh, or baldmove.com if you want to see what we're up to. Uh, we are up to a lot of stuff. We're get uh, this week going to begin our coverage of uh, Hulu FX Hulu's The Bear season two. Uh, it drops all in a binge model, so we'll be doing a, a cluster of episodes uh, the end of this week and then finish up the series next week. We're getting very close to Foundation. Speaking of great science fiction, great-looking science fiction, Foundation Season 2, I'm pretty, ex- I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, and Justified City Primeval, if you want uh, more 21st, early 21st century adventures in uh, on the Canadian border. <laughs> Uh, you can join us for uh, 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 Raylan Givens' adventures in Detroit. Um, so yeah, we got that coming up. Um, and then uh, if you'd like to support what we're doing here at Bald Move, you can always join our club at uh, support.baldmove.com to get ad-free feeds, tons of more bonus audio and video coverage. We're actually uh, doing uh, Silo, a really popular, uh, pretty awesome science fiction puzzle box on Apple TV Plus on a premium podcast off the clock as well as I should, what are we doing? It's that plus what we're, we've Barry. We're going to probably talk Barry then on the next yeah, one. Yeah, I just finished Barry. Lots of cool premium stuff. Uh, that'll do it for this week on Star Trek Strange New Worlds. We'll see you next week for the next episode, which Jim has promised. He's, he's, he's heard on good authority from the Temporal Investigation Department that it's a mm-hmm. banger. Uh, join us back next week to see. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya. See ya.